Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. We're going to be looking at uh, a text today, and before you put it up, Danae, um, I want to give a preface. So listen closely. Today's text is hard, and there might be some things that are in the text, or that I might say, that may trigger you to, sh- to shut down, to close off. And so, and you might have the opposite reaction. You might be open and and even more open. So no matter what your uh, response is to what we're going to be talking about, my only ask for you is that you would not shut down and that you would hang in there. Okay? Can we agree to that? Kind of. Okay. Three of us. Yes. Okay. Great. Brady agrees. Okay, good enough. Uh, So we've been trekking through the Gospel of Matthew. This this text today is actually Jesus' final teaching in in Matthew's Gospel before he goes to the cross and rises from the dead. And this is, for me, one of the... I've always been um, amazed. This is one of my favorite texts. So I'm kind of excited to be teaching about it. Um, so why don't we, it's kind of a long text. Who's, uh, does anybody feel like reading out loud? You will? Okay, great. This is Nicole, if you don't know Nicole. Let's, let's just give her a quick hand. Thank you. So the text. Yeah, okay. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer to him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? 
Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Matthew 25, 31-46. Has anybody ever told you you have a, like a great speaking voice? I see voiceover work in your future. That was not prophetic. That was just pathetic. No, that was just my brain. I, I, I'm not pathetic. Um, so here's the main point for today. If I had to uh, sum it up in one sentence, it would be this. Prepare for eternity by providing food, water, clothing, shelter, care, and comfort to those in need. That's the point. I will mention that I'm uncomfortable with this text, if I'm honest. And, I'm, and the reason is because there seems to be a finality to this text, sort of an, an irreversible decision regarding eternity. And that's not... I'm not super comfortable with that. I've, I've studied heaven and hell uh, a lot in scripture. And emotionally, I wish that I could point to scripture. I wish scripture taught universalism. You know, everyone's going to be saved. Um, everyone will be reconciled to God. I can't say that. Because having uh, prayed, processed, read, studied the scriptures, I cannot, in good conscience and with integrity, um, say that that is true. In fact, I think scripture says the opposite. There will be one great final judgment where Jesus alone determines final destiny. Final destiny, yeah, yeah. Now, what's insane to me about this text is that Jesus is talking about preparing for the biggest thing, eternity, by doing the smallest things, which to me seems to be a kingdom thing. So what are we talking about? We're talking about practical love. This matters because talk is cheap. I can tell someone I love them all day long, but if it's not accompanied by actions, it's hollow. It's hollow. I can tell my wife, Suzanne, I love you, I love you, I love you. But if I never, never hug her, if I never... Uh, serve her, if I don't pray for her, if I don't do tangible stuff, then it's just, she will never experience my love. Right? Has anybody ever told you that they loved you, that they cared about you, but they didn't show it with their actions? How did that make you feel? 
Worthless, okay. So practical love, love that is fleshed out matters, right? So like, think about the incarnation. Jesus, uh, the word of God, became flesh, became one of us, became a human being out of love for us. He could have just maybe shouted somewhere from the heavens, I love you, but he didn't. He didn't. He took the nature of a servant. He died. He was rejected. He was wrongfully incriminated. He died. He was executed, a criminal's death, naked on a cross for us to show us that he loves us. So God doesn't just talk about loving us. He does it, and he has done it in Jesus Christ. And that's why we, I'm talking about Basileia now, we exist to partner with Christ as he is restoring wholeness to all things. Who are we? We are loved. We are the beloved children of God. Where are we going? We're going towards the kingdom. When Jesus comes back, he will um, fully manifest the kingdom of God on this earth. And every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more crying and no more pain. And the time in between now and then, we have a purpose. We have a mission. I'm actually getting a little bit ahead of myself here. I'll come back to that in a second. So practical love. Now, why does this matter? It matters for a couple of reasons. Number one, according to the text, eternity is on the line. Jesus will make these decisions based on how people treated those he counts as family. Now, uh, if, if I was, if we were living in the first century, following Jesus, being persecuted for our faith, being threatened with violence, with death, with our stuff being taken away, this text would have been like the best news ever. Because essentially what Jesus is saying is how people treat you, that's actually how they're treating me. And in the end, you will be vindicated just as I was vindicated. So eternity is on the line. This is why it matters. Now, we can, I, I do want to bring up, uh, so when, when we say Jesus uh, is going to make these decisions based on how people treated those he counts as family, well, who's his family? <laughs> Obvious question, right? Um, earlier on in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 12, Jesus, his blood family, is looking for him. They find him, and they, they literally think he's insane. They think he's crazy. They're trying to get to him, and someone says, hey, your family's here. They're looking for you. And Jesus says, who is my mother, and who are my, who are my brothers? 
And he points at his disciples and he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, is Jesus only saying, is Jesus saying that uh, we are only to practically love uh, those inside of the church? I would say no. And here's two reasons why. Uh, Number one, the most important commandment. Jesus was once asked, well, what's the most important commandment, teacher? Out of the 613 commandments in the Old Testament, what's the most important? He said, love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Second reason I don't think that Jesus is only talking about loving those inside of the church is because in the famous parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus defines our neighbor as someone who is different than us, someone who is not in our family, someone who is not in our tribe, somebody who does not look like us, talk like us, someone that culturally we even may be um, told to hate. So Jesus says, your neighbor is whoever you see that's in need. That's your neighbor. So those are two reasons why I think, yes, practically loving each other is essential to us being salt and light in this world, but it does not stay within these walls. It does not stop here. It must go out to the street. Or we are missing, like, a lot. (laughs) Now, secondly, why does this matter? It means that we have purpose. It means that God has stuff for us to do before Jesus comes back. That purpose being, I think, to simply uh, to be like Jesus, to act like him, to live like him, and to invite others to do the same. So this constant rhythm of us nurturing our relationship with Jesus, and there's various ways to do that, Uh, prayer, journaling, I could go on. Uh, Taking the Eucharist is one way. So nurturing our relationship with Jesus, growing up in him, becoming more mature in our faith, acting more like him and being in a posture of just consistently inviting people to Jesus. Now that might look like uh, praying for someone. That could look like a lot of different ways. That could look like inviting someone to church. Um, A lot of you know Well, a lot of you uh, visited my wife, Suzanne, last year. She was in the hospital. Um, And I found it, as I was reflecting on this, I was thinking how it was interesting, meaning there's a parallel in this text. Here's what I mean. So in this text, when Jesus is is talking to the righteous and like, hey, 
good job, you know, you're going you're gonna to come into uh, eternal life. And they're like, what? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? When, when did I X, Y, and Z to you? How, when did I serve you, Jesus? So they seem surprised. They're not, they're not like, I'm going to heaven, screw everybody else, and you better repent. You know, it's a, it's a different posture. It's very different. <laughs> it's very different. And so there seems to be this kind of, not, yeah, this, this humility, but all, and therefore this like surprise, like I didn't, I didn't deserve this. You know, we're saved by grace, right? And I was thinking about how, you know, a lot of you guys visited uh, Sue's in the hospital. And I could be wrong, but I'm assuming that, I'm, assu- I'm going to go ahead and just say, I'm assuming that none of you were thinking to yourself in your head, I am here. <laughs> because if I do this, I'll get into heaven. <laughs> or something like that. I'm, just, I'm making that assumption. Could be wrong. Talk to me later if that happened. But you just, you pr- I'm guessing you probably felt compassion for Sue's. No, because she wasn't dying. But that's a good, I mean, I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're there to pray for, you know, pray for the sick, right? So, what we do, Brady said this, uh, was it last week, Brady, that you preached? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I kind of stole this from you, sorry. Um, but I do want to give credit where credit is due. So you were talking about the movie Gladiator, right? And, um, and was it Marcus Aurelius who said, what we do in life echoes into eternity? Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, this fits in here too. Um, in light of the future and what God is doing and where history is headed, what we do in the here and now actually matters. For me, if I'm being honest, a lot of time I'm just like, yeah, Jesus, uh, Christianity, uh, loving, loving people, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm missing this thing of the weight of what we do and how it matters and how it echoes into eternity. Uh, practical love. How do we do it? Well, I think Jesus pretty much spells it out in this text. I, I, I don't think that uh, practical love is limited to what Jesus talks about. I think it's sort of like a, a bare minimum um, for us to look to. And... So what, what did Jesus say? He said six things. He said, feed the hungry. Give water to the thirsty. Show hospitality to the stranger. Clothe the naked. Care for the sick. And visit those in prison. Let's stand.
Now, it would be easy for me to stand up here after having said what I said and assume that everyone's feeling pumped and great. I mean, I, I hope that's the case. But um, my hope is that we would just be real. And what I mean is that I think there's, there's a good chance that for some of us, it's maybe not as simple as, okay, I'm just going to start doing this stuff, and life is great. Um, there might be some, this text, maybe some of the things that I said, might have triggered some stuff. Um, so there, I want to leave, I'm, I want to make as much room for everyone as possible. And what I mean is, what I, what I would actually prefer not to happen is for there to be like a handful of people or half, or you know, there's some people who are like, yeah, pumped, let's do it. And then the rest of us are like, well, can I even trust God? Like, is he, is he, is he trustworthy as my heavenly father? Because maybe some trust with you and God has, has been frayed. Maybe you're threadbare. And if we're coming from a place of, you know, well, the pastor just said, do this stuff, so I'm going to do it. Um, you know, it's not, it's not all bad, but I want this, what I would love to see is us to do the stuff out of a place of compassion for people, not out of a place of fear, not out of a place of fear of judgment. Because there, there may be this thing of fear of making mistakes. You know, gosh, Troy, it's, it sounds like there's, I mean, <laughs> eternity's on the line and yeah. like, I don't, I don't want to mess that up. Like what, and you might even feel just sort of like straightjacketed in fear, you know? And I, so I want to be clear that there's grace. There's grace. I think God, I think grace is like God's safety net for us. Because fear can be blinding. You know, well, I don't, I don't want to do anything because if I don't do anything, then I can't make any mistakes. And if I don't make any mistakes, then, okay, like my eternal destiny is secure. But Jesus is calling us to live a life of faith and risk. And fear can actually blind us and deafen us from hearing and doing what Jesus is asking us to do. And therefore, we're not able to take those leaps. We're not able to take those risks. We're not able to run. So I, I just wanted to talk about 
what may be happening for some of us. Again, I'm not assuming I know what's happening, but I do want to just call some things out and I just want us to be real because for me, honesty is a gigantic part of worship. Because you might be in a place right now where you're like, look, look, Troy, I've, I've been in church. I've heard this before. I've served. Uh, I've helped people. But other stuff has happened too. You know, life circumstances, you've disappointed me. You've let me down. People have disappointed me. They've hurt me. They let me down. What? I'm not even sure where to go or what to do with this. So if that's you, like, we need to start there. Does that make sense? So, I'm going to invite my friend Lainey up. Lainey recently went to the Philippines and we were chatting. We actually ran into each other at a, a local coffee shop and I was working on this, on this sermon and Lainey and I started talking about it and, and I thought, you know, um, some of what you've experienced might actually add to what we're talking about here. So Lainey's just going to share a little bit and then we're going to pray. Hi, guys. Um, so I didn't get to share with you guys last time about one specific story that was just really profound to me that kind of aligned with what we were talking about today. And um, when we were walking around Smoky Mountain, which is kind of the landfill area, uh, the missionaries and I went to visit this family. Uh, it was a single mom, and she had three children at a prostitution and they had met with her before and prayed with her before. And one of their youngest kids was actually uh, hospitalized because they were feeding the baby sugar water and they didn't have enough money for milk. Um, so he's malnourished and dehydrated. And um, so we were going to visit this family and one of the missionaries wanted to sponsor the youngest child to pay for milk. So very practical application of everything that we're talking about today. And for me personally, I mean, I was just standing there as they're translating. We're all just kind of lined up in a row. And I didn't really realize how much like fear and doubt and unbelief was really wrapped around my life. It was almost like a blanket wrapped around me. And I felt like just being there and experiencing that tangible act a lot of that fear and that unbelief and even frivolous things that my mind was so consumed with just started breaking off of me. Um, and I think, you know, it wasn't like someone preaching to me or missionaries sharing with me what I should do or them being self-righteous or feeling some sort of guilt or obligation to do it. I just felt God really freeing me and like a joy awakening in my heart that hadn't been there before. Um, and I mean, even before my trip, it wasn't like I went and I was like, woo, I'm full of faith. I'm like going to establish the kingdom. Like I 
had a lot of my own baggage, my own cynicism, my own fears that I was bringing with me. And so the Lord really supernaturally kind of like shed some of those things off of me. So when Troy and I were praying about this, we just really felt like wherever you are in your walk, if it's shame, if it's fear, if it's, I feel like I should be doing this, but my heart is actually not connected to it. And I want my heart to yearn for that. I want joy uh, in establishing the kingdom and doing these works. Um, We just wanted to pray for you. Hey, Joe, would you come up and, and lead us? Um, so there's going to be a few of us just standing up here in the front and the invitation is to be honest with yourself and with Jesus and to just have a conversation with God and in the midst of that If you want prayer, if you need prayer, there will be a few of us standing up here and we'd love to pray with you. So come. Come.